0: Since we started this morning we've had a huge warm front. We've gone from 0 to 5 degrees. Huh? All right, Indiana, what are you doing? Cut it out. Hey, my name's Darren Earlywine. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Mercer Road, and I'm so glad to be back in Carmel. I haven't been with you guys since quarantine, so like April or something. And I kept begging Josh. I was like, "Josh, can I please come back to Carmel?" And he was like, "No, we'll replace you with Davey. He's better looking." And I was like, Josh, I'm like I'm the old school guy. Like I've been here forever, right? And so I had to I had to get a little sneaky. And so I I, just, I figured, how can I get back to Carmel? And so I, I what I did was I, I had a friend that had COVID, and I snuck him in to one of the rooted classes this uh, this week with Rashad. And Rashad had an exposure, and so they had to pull him last night at six o'clock. And so uh, Josh <laughs> called me and was like, Well, actually, he texted Davey and I. And he was like, Davey, You're my first choice. He was like, but if we have to go old school, he was like, maybe Darren could pitch it, right? And so Davey was like, sorry, I'm preaching at a church in Miami. (laughs) Sorry for being warm, right? And I was like, Josh, I'm frozen in my backyard. I'm here. So uh, anyway, I told Josh I could come over. Uh, We're praying that Rashad doesn't have COVID, but we're just trying to be as cautious and as uh, correct as we can be, Uh, which is a bummer because Rashad had a absolute fire sermon prepared. Like, really good. Like, really good. And I have his notes. But the delivery's not going to be as good, all right? So, so just, you know, I found out yesterday at 6 o'clock, if this is terrible, you can have your money back, okay? So we'll, we'll, we'll figure that part out. But no, I am so stoked to be here. I am Darren Early Wine, and I love being a part of the Mercy Road family of churches. Five churches, one mission, one family, and I've been over at Northeast since the summer, and uh, God is doing some really cool things at our northeast campus. And uh, I think we had six hundred some people at Christmas Eve. People are coming to faith. or are having people getting baptized. It's just uh, new outposts are starting. Really, really, really cool stuff. And before we're done today, uh, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You're going to watch a video uh, about the next thing happening through the Mercy Road Family of Churches, and it is big. All right, so. We're going to have fun we're, we're finishing up the series one where we're talking about this one mission that we have you know we're, we're, we're five churches now we've got one mission one family and, and what does it look like for this to be a, a year of oneness and so we've been walking through our our our, uh, our core values right which were pra- passionate worship spiritual apprenticeship inter- intentional mission unified community and today strategic generosity so we're talking about money we're gonna talk about greed we're gonna talk about gratitude today generosity is something that is inspiring to receive isn't it have you ever had one of those moments where you're in starbucks drive-thru or some drive-thru and the person in front of you like secretly pays for your meal and you get up do you not think that person is a, literally an angel for the next five or six hours right you just want to tell everybody it's like i got up there they already paid the generosity is amazing i felt great right we love to be on the receiving end of generosity. But something happens sometimes when it's our turn to become generous. You may ever notice that? Right? When you see it, it's inspirational, you love it, you love to receive it, and then when it's your time to get generous, sometimes it's like, well, I mean, maybe next month, or well, I don't know what it is. But it seems like we're always in like this tug-of-war situation between generosity and, and greed. And wouldn't it be cool if it could just fit in easy categories like Rich people are greedy. Wouldn't that really be cool? If greed was just about how much you had, it would be easy to just figure out who's greedy and who's not, right? We could be like, well, the crazy rich people that have all the money, they're a bunch of jerks. We hate them. And then you could be like, well, you know, and then poor people, right? They don't have a lot of money. Well, they're they're somehow virtuous and, and, and just amazing, and then they're, they're not greedy. But the route is you could have the most amount of money on any street in Indianapolis. You could be the richest person in town and be the least greedy person in town. You could literally be the poorest person in town and actually be the greediest person. See, because greed is not attached to your bank account or your bottom line, it's attached to your heart. And it makes it kind of confusing. And, I mean, and I'm a little concerned sometimes by what I feel like is a little bit of the, 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 the narrative that seems to be in our culture a little bit more that like we should hate rich people because they're probably greedy. Which is tough because what, what might be is that God has given someone a divine enablement to just make money because he's realized that they're a really, really generous person. And so he's, he's blessed them with money because they've become a conduit of generosity to the world. In fact, there's a lot of scriptural basis that if you want to actually increase the amount of money you have in your bank account, that if you begin to open up your outflow, God says, there's a conduit of blessing. Let's go. Because sometimes what we can be is we're kind of a retention pond of greed. We want God to pour a lot of blessing into our life, but it doesn't go anywhere. It just gets really retained and stinky. What we want to be as a church is we want to be a church that is known for strategic generosity. Where we find strategic ways to actually give away that which God has given us. So that greed doesn't spoil our souls. Because see, being generous is fun and it makes you feel good. If you've been having a bad week, I promise you, you want the day to go well, do something generous today, you're going to feel good about yourself. It's a guarantee, feel-good thing to do. So being generous feels good. Becoming strategically generous, that actually has the power to change the world. And that's what we do at Mercy Road. We do our best to strategically give away 50% of what comes in back out into the community. And, And if we would change that, we could have better bathrooms, Right? Have you noticed the bathrooms aren't that nice here? You know, I was just in the bathroom earlier, and I was like, "This could be nicer." You know what I mean? Like, you ever go to a bathroom and they have like the really good hand towels? You know what I mean? Like, you think you thought about maybe stitching them together, they could be a comforter. Have you ever had those kind of good hand towels? Sometimes I feel bad, you know, like actually drying my hands with the towels that are that good, because I'm like, "This is this is this is high quality." Right? We don't have those hand towels here. Okay, if you notice, those are cheap. Those are cheap hand towels. Okay, it's just it's just it's paper towels. But you know what we do have a Mercer Road? We have a Mercer Road Northwest. Where hundreds of people today gathered and heard about the love of Jesus. And we have Mercer Road downtown, where people this morning heard about the love of Jesus and were invited into this amazing mission that he's created for us. And we actually have a Mercy Road Northeast, where I've been for the past like six months. We've got probably today like four or 500 people that have shown up and that are finding out about the love of Jesus. And I love being a part of the kind of church like Mercy Road that says, you know what we could do? We could just keep it all for ourselves or we could find strategic ways to join what Jesus is doing around our state. Where's the start? Well, let's jump in and find out. We're going to go through 2 Corinthians 8 and uh, Rashad picked this passage of scripture and I found it last night and I was talking to Rashad. And like I said, his sermon was really, really good. We, we should have Rashad preach it and we'll just put it out online because that's how good it was going to be. And I had never really read this passage of scripture and, and preached about generosity and giving before. And I don't know why, because there's some really rich stuff in 2 Corinthians 8. And so what happens is Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And there's some questions about generosity. There's some questions about giving. And he jumps in and he says this to them in chapter 8. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, this is weird, check it out, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Interesting combination. For I testify that they gave us as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the, watch this now, for the privilege of sharing. In this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus just as he had earlier made a beginning to also bring to completion this act on, of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, what, what is the start of generosity? I, I, I think the start of generosity is always gratitude. It's always gratitude. If you want to become a generous person, you first must become a grateful person. And what is interesting about this church is it says that they had been given this, this, this grace that was given to the Macedonian churches. It, the, word, the way I want you to see grace there is, is a divine enablement. And I think for us to actually move forward and begin to join Jesus in what he's doing to change the world, we have to see grace is not just a defensive thing in our favor, but an offensive tool as we go forward. Let me explain this. Oftentimes when we hear the word grace, we, we, we define it as the unearned, right, unmerited favor or forgiveness of God, which it is. That is the grace. We are, we are saved by grace. And in that case, grace is, is kind of defensive, it's, it's on the defense for us, and what it does is it, like, defends you and keeps you, like, out of hell, real positive, okay, right? It, it forgives you. It actually gives you the unearned love and favor of God, and so it's there to protect and defend, and that's where it starts good. But what Paul is saying is that they, they have been given this grace, this divine enablement. It, it's this more of this offensive thing where now they're empowered by the grace and presence and power of God to actually go out and do. To move forward and to take land and to take space and to take authority for the kingdom of God. And so what is interesting to see here is that if these people in Macedonia, if they needed the divine empowerment of God's grace to do this, it must tell us that actually becoming generous must be pretty difficult. And I think it is. I think the power of greed is something that we often overlook to our detriment. We're... we're, 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 uh, really tricky how we do that sometimes, right? It kind of comes back to what I said earlier. It's like you could always, like, you, someone else is always a little more greedy than you, aren't they? <laughs> right? And it's usually somebody that has a little more money. I, I do it all the time. I'll be honest. So one day I was driving through Carmel. Okay? <laughs> Sorry, Carmel. Okay? This is many years ago. I was driving through Carmel going to one of my kids' baseball games. <clears throat> and... I'm driving through a neighborhood, and listen, my kids go to Hamilton Southeastern, KHSC, okay? So just for sports, we hate Carmel, okay? We don't hate you, right? We love you. We just hate your school colors and your mascot and everything that your high school stands for. But other than that, we're totally cool with you guys, all right? We can hang out. (laughs) So I want us to beat Carmel terribly every time we play you guys, okay? Other than that, I love it. Okay, So I'm driving through Carmel one day, this sermon illustration here, not in the first or second uh, uh, services, only special for you guys, I don't have time for it, and it's probably a risky illustration, but we've already started, so we're just going to go ahead and finish it, okay? (laughs) So I'm driving through Carmel, and I'm looking at Carmel houses, and I'm going, freaking Carmel people, rich jerks, look at these houses, gosh, so greedy, stupid, I hope we beat them, Right? And then I turn a corner, and I, I'm still driving through a neighborhood. And then the Holy Spirit goes, uh, Darren, this, this neighborhood was built by the same manufacturer that built your house in Fishers, right? I am realize I'm driving through a neighborhood that has the exact same models of homes that are in my neighborhood. <laughs> so like, I'm like, oh, greedy rich people in Carmel. And then I'm like, no, dummy, you're the exact same. Right, you have the same house. Like it's just we we tend to do that. It's like we look at other people and we're like, oh, they're greedy, because it's really uncomfortable to go like, I'm greedy. I I like to use most of what I get for myself. I'm usually unhappy with what I have, and you know what would make me happier? Just a little more. Do you remember that time that you got a little more and then you were like, that's enough? (laughs) Our laugh says, no, Darren, I actually have never thought that. That's why we need this divine empowerment. Divine empowerment, the grace of God to become generous and the, 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 The core of that, the root of that is in gratitude. Let's see how God began to shape this in the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, we we were given the standard of how we break the the chains of greed, and it was by trusting God with what he calls a tithe, which means a tenth. So from the beginning, when he said, listen, the start of generosity is going to be gratitude, the standard of it, we're going to start and we're going to lay the foundation of it with this thing called a tithe. And, and let's see how this happens way back in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 26. God says this to the Israelites. He says, when you have entered the land of your Lord, your your God is giving you as an inheritance and taken possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Notice a lot of what's happening in those first couple of scriptures there, right? Is there was this land that they didn't own. They didn't do anything to have. God graciously gave them. And then out of that land, he gave them fruit from the land that God created and gave them, right? So there's a lot of possession here and none of it is the people's. It's all a gift from God. That's, that's important to start with, okay? Then he goes on and says this. So you take this, Right? You take some of the first fruits of what you produce from the soil, and, and the, the, the God has given you, put it in a basket. Then you go to the place the Lord your God will choose. as a dwelling place for his name, and you say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. Then the priest will take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. Now notice what's going to happen. You're bringing your offering, you're bringing your tithe, you're setting it at the altar, and now in front of God and the priest and anyone that's around, you, you say this, okay? This would be a little different, wouldn't it, if we start taking an offering like this at Mercy Road next week, okay? It's not like, text give to 65555, right? Or you set it up online, it just pops out of your account, which is great, we love that that happens. But imagine what would happen as far as gratitude in your heart if every time you gave a tenth, every time you gave a tithe, you had to recite this. So you stand there at the altar and you say This, then you shall declare, my father was a wandering airman. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers. The Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing, flowing with milk and honey. And now I... I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him and you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. See, was God just thinking we got to give him a ritual, something to say. It's kind of boring if they just give an offering. Was it just for fun? No, no. What God was doing is he was saying, when you come and you bring your tenth, I want you to make sure that it's overflowing from gratitude of everything that I've given you. I want you to remind yourself of what I've done, that I brought you out of Egypt, that I did all these things, and I gave you this land, and I've given this all to you, and what I'm saying is, just to develop a connection and the trust that we have, I want you to bring back a tenth. You say, well, Darren, That's cool. But I've read the Bible before. You're a little tricky, but uh, I know that that's Old Testament law. And we live in the New Testament era. It's called grace. In the New Testament, there's no law that says we have to give a tenth. So take that. And I would say, touche. You're correct. There is no law in the New Testament that says you have to tithe. There's not. Because we don't live under the law. We live under grace. But here's an interesting thing. When Jesus came and walked the earth, he had multiple times where he could have condemned tithing. And he didn't. And then he had other times where he talked about the law and he said crazy stuff like this. He said, you have heard it said, do not murder. As in like, don't kill somebody. That's law. And he said, but grace now is... Don't even call someone a fool. Don't hate them in your heart. That's murder. So he took like the law, and in the New Testament grace era, he went, whoosh. And then he said something like this. You've heard it say, don't commit adultery. That's law. But now in the new grace era, he said, don't even look lustfully at a man or a woman, because you've created adult you've already committed adultery. So everything that Jesus touched as far as the law, he elevates what is actually called from, from, from us, would it, would it logically follow that the one thing Jesus would be like, nah, not that one, would be the thing that has the power to break greed's control over our lives? But like, he brought them out of Egypt and they had to come and they would bring the the, the tithe and they would say, we trust you, we love you, you've done all this out of gratitude, here's for you. And then from this, we can actually take care of of, of aliens and and orphans and widows and everything that's going on. Would it make sense that now God would be like, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to come to the altar. I want you to say, I was dead in my sin and transgressions. I was on my way to live forever in hell, separated from God, but you sent your only begotten son, right, and, and he came so that anyone who believes could have eternal life through me and, and, and then what you did God is not only that you resurrected from the dead and then you gave me the ability to actually have your divine Holy Spirit within me so I could understand that I made on purpose and for purpose and I could join you in actually seeing your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and you gave me breath to speak and to breathe today and you've done everything in this world and in the next to take care of me so I'm here out of gratitude to give you uh, whatever I have left in my wallet this week God it's so a five spot, and I got a 50, and a, well, the 50's kind of a lot. Um, seven bucks. Thank you, God, for your son, and for all of that, and for the fact that we are no longer under the law. Praise Jesus. Right? Does that even seem logical? It doesn't. But the majority of North American Christians, that's what we do. <clears throat> We we don't understand the the idea or the, the power of the tithe. We think it's 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 just give God a tip. Yeah, it's a tip, God appreciate it. Thanks. Got through this week. Was able to pay my bills. I took care of it all. I worked hard. I'm good. I've got a job. I've got stuff. We've got a little leftover this week. God appreciate it. Check you check you out next week. And the deal with this is is this isn't about money guess who doesn't need your money? God. What it's about is that he's created you to live free of greed. He's created you to be in a relationship where you understand that he is here. He's offering a covenant relationship where he has promised to provide and protect you. And what he wants to do is he wants to say, listen, if you, if, if we can walk in covenant love And you can allow gratitude to be the the, the inner core of your soul. Generosity will be the outcome of that. And you can live a life where you trust me and you don't have to be so concerned and so mired in depression and anxiety and struggle thinking that only you can take care of you. And that's what the tithe is. There's so many cool passages. And the cool part is that God actually tells us we can, like, test him in this. You know that? Like, in Malachi chapter 3, he breaks this down. And he says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. He says this, "'Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there will be food in my house. Test me in this,' says the Lord Almighty. "'And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit,' says the Lord Almighty. "'Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land,' says the Lord Almighty.'" Here's what we want to do. We want to invite you to test God over the next 90 days. To to start the process of living a strategically generous life. We've done this before. We might do it again. But we're going to offer you guys a 90-day tithe challenge for the next 90 days. Here's mercy room. I've done this multiple times at different churches, and it's amazing how God shows up. If you never tithe, if you never said to God, God, you know what? You have given me everything. I'm going to test you in this. I'm going to give you back 10% of everything that you give me. And I'm going to trust that you're going to supernaturally bless the 90% that's left. I'm going to try to separate myself from greed that can destroy me and step into gratitude and generosity. And so for the next 90 days, we want to challenge you to tithe. If you do so, you fill out the back here, drop it in the, 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 uh, on your way out today. These should be in your seat backs right now, okay? And here's the deal. We'll keep track of it over the next 90 days. And at the end of the 90 days, if God has not shown up and showed himself faithful, we will give you all of your money back. So it's a money-back guarantee. You say, I thought about tithing. I've heard people talk about it. My friends do it. My mom did it. And I feel like maybe it is something that I need that I I think I would rather have 90% of all of what God has given me supernaturally blessed than 100% that I'm trying to figure out my own power, how to make work. But I've always been afraid, Darren, that I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills or that it wouldn't work. There's no fear in this one. Give it a shot for 90 days. If it doesn't work, we'll give you all the money back. We want to create that environment because we want you to hear that we're not trying to take your money. We're trying to help in, 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 encourage you and create an environment where your money doesn't take you. So nine day trust challenge. Join us. All the campuses are doing it. Okay, All the, all the locations. We're excited about where it's moving forward because here's the deal there's a lot of great stuff that needs to happen. And I wish God would do this. I wish God would put money trees in anybody's backyard. Right. And if anybody's got one, if you could give me your address, I'll be over shortly. Okay. But what I've noticed is that, that God doesn't make money grow on trees. And, and when you pray for things, I've never had God just drop money bags out of thin air. What I've noticed is the way that God blesses people and meets physical and real needs is he gives people blessings and then they give it to other people Have you noticed that that it's, it's, it's a concept all the way from the Old Testament that we're blessed to be a blessing and so what we're inviting you into is is, is going to be a beautiful thing and, and I love I love the gratitude in what it does. Because in this passage, right back in verse 10, we hadn't gotten there yet. In verse 10, Paul's writing and he's writing back to to these Corinthian disciples. And he says, and here's my judgment about what is best for you. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. I come this morning with gratitude from all of the Mercy Road churches. This week, we, we, we were talking about this sermon on Tuesday in our teaching team meeting, and John Jones downtown, and Ken over at Northeast, and, and, and Luke, and Rashad, everybody that's a part of the team. We say, you know what, we need to make sure it happens this week in Carmel. We need to bring a heartfelt, deep, from the depths of our soul, thank you from all the locations to you in Carmel. You want to know why? Because you were the first to do it. Those of you that have been here for years and you were the first to give to Mercy Road for this location or you were the first to give to Mercy Road for when the capital campaign and the compassion campaign started. For those of you that were first, all of the location pastors and everything that's happened in there they want you to know it means the world to them. Thank you so much. Because what you have done has allowed them to do what they're doing. And the momentum is continuing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you're allowing stuff like this to keep happening.
1: the mercy road family of churches i'm excited to share on behalf of the lead pastors of each church and the operations team for the mercy road family of churches some really exciting news if you are new to mercy road just over two years ago we started this crazy vision dream experience that we thought god had called us to plant four churches in four different directions from the original mercy road church it's been incredible What the lord has done in that short period of time in fact you may not even realize the incredible impact that has had in 2019 the one mercy road church had an incredible year we baptized 38 people that year everyone was celebrating it was a banner year in the history of our church this last year in the middle of a global pandemic the mercy road family of churches baptized 103 people isn't that incredible it's amazing what the lord does when we allow him to work and use other people we believe in the principle of true multiplication that god could use someone else as much as he could use us and so as we multiply churches and leaders and disciples for christ it's been incredible to see the spiritual impact that it has but that original vision that we started two years ago this is the third and final year of that vision to plant four churches in four different directions we were raising three million dollars as a part of a campaign we called the compassion campaign and i'm excited to share today we've raised over 2.25 million towards that goal and i'm really excited to share with you this morning the final step in the three-year process of the compassion campaign that will conclude this year as of last night we voted the operations team agreed unanimously To accept uh, the donation of a property for free in Anderson, Indiana. Now, if you're like, why Anderson? Over this entire time, it's the number one place that some members of our team have felt called to go plant a new church and there are some great churches in the city of Anderson and some really neat things are happening in that city and we've talked to a number of young families moving there we're really excited to get involved in the community to help other churches address the issues at hand and help those families grow in faith and reach people for Christ and so we're really pumped and excited to go to Madison County to go to Anderson Indiana and plant a church And we have been given a large property that we will receive on March 31st for free. It comes on six acres and has over 68,000 square feet of usable space. Now, it also needs significant renovations. And so to get this up and running, we have a plan to renovate the property. However, we're not going to begin the renovation on March 31st if the full funds aren't there. In fact, we're going to wait until all the remaining $750,000 for the Compassion Campaign. Those funds are in the bank and available before we will start the renovation project there in Anderson it's an incredible opportunity i can't believe it our lead pastors at the churches can't believe that all of this has actually happened and it's just the the faithfulness of the lord to his people as they act in faith and obedience to what he's calling them to and i really believe one of the coolest things we're going to get to see is what happens in anderson indiana so will you do a few things for me this morning will you join us in prayer for that future location that future church Which, by the way, if you're new to Mercy Road, we are one legal entity right now, but we will be spinning these churches off as separate legal entities that share the same name, vision, and values, uh, but have the decision-making and power within the local church. And so that's why we don't do video venues because we believe God can use someone else as much as he could use us. And so this final location, as we get ready to put the launch team together, would you be praying for us? Would you go right now? There is a landing page live at mercyroadanderson.com. Let me say it again, mercyroadanderson.com and you can uh, fill out very simple form right on the landing page to consider joining the launch team. If you have any interest at all, Fill that out today. Go to mercyroadanderson.com and help share that page with us, that website with us on social media all over the place. Invite your friends, invite your family, get them involved. God's going to do something incredible in the city of Anderson, Madison County, and beyond. And then the final thing, for those who are new to our church, if you've never made a Compassion Campaign commitment and you would like to, we would love for you to consider doing that. We're going to be making opportunities in the months ahead for you to see the facility up there. You can also always make donations online through uh, your online giving and the website. Thank you for praying. It's exciting. And what the Lord is doing in our lifetime, the move of Jesus in the state of Indiana is really happening. We're not going to just settle for 103 baptisms. We're going to see hundreds more. Pray with us, invest and invite. And thanks for watching. Now back to your local church.
0: Yes. huh? I love being a part of this movement that is Mercy Road. I love the apostolic and pioneering spirit. I love what's happening. I love the risk. I love the opportunity to to see what God's doing and how he's showing up. And it's your strategic generosity that that allows it to happen and that you can partner and make it happen. And um, there's gonna be more vision that comes out about this Anderson campus. There's like 18 acres there. It's gonna be, there's a whole thing that's happening that we'll tell you about soon that I honestly, I, I had multiple meetings this week where I, I feel like that the way this property is going to be used, I think maybe God may be inviting us as Mercy Road to be a part of of a new way that churches use land to bless a community that, that could maybe shape the way churches operate across the nation for like the next 10, 15, 20 years. Like God is doing crazy, awesome stuff and we get to be a part of it. And I just... All morning, I wanted to get to point the last point and I never did. So let me read this last scripture and then we'll end with this because I just, I wanted to bring this part. He ended it right. Paul ends this passage. He says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present times, your plenty will supply their need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Now, there's a whole sermon here about equality, which as Americans, we don't like. If you study the Enneagram, the spirit of America is that of the Enneagram 3. We like competition. We want to be the best. We want to win. We're not real big on equality. But if I was preaching that sermon, I would say, wouldn't it be cool if we focused on excelling in generosity, not just in, in accomplishment? But that's not that sermon. But the last thing is this. He says, the one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. That's from Exodus chapter 16, verse, eight, verse, verse 18, 16, 18, where, where the people would go out and collect the manna. Right? When they were wandering in the desert, God would provide for them manna, which was these little wafers that they would eat. And they would gather it, and they would eat it for the day. And God said, don't get too much. You get enough for today. You eat it, and I'll bring you some more tomorrow. So you're going to be dependent and learn to trust me because this is actually about a relationship, not about money or manna. But here was a funny thing. If you gathered too much for the day and tried to hoard it, you know what happened to it? God would make it stink and fill up with maggots how gross is that but how easy I was thinking this this week how easy would it be if God would just the point that we became greedy and started keeping too much stuff how crazy would it be is if God would make it stink and fill up with maggots like you walk into your closet and you're like I do have 25 pairs of shoes <laughs> why do those have maggots in them I guess I only needed those pairs of shoes. But he doesn't. We're not in the stuff turns to stinky, maggot-filled stuff. But the principle still remains is that what I do think happens is as our possessions and our money, as they become who we feel like we are and our identity is tied to that, I think, figuratively, our soul starts to stink and fill with maggots. That's why when you meet a really greedy person, they're disgusting. So we want to invite you in to this challenge, to this strategic partnership with what God's doing. If you've never tried tithing, jump in with us for the next 90 days. Put God to the test. If it doesn't work out, we'll give you all the money back. If you're already in the compassion campaign, guess what? I signed up. I'm a pastor here, right? I'm supposed to be like leading. I signed one of those things like two years ago. I'm nowhere even close to fulfilling the pledge yet. You want to know why? Because I was planning on giving like some money when it came in and this and that, and it would come in and guess what I did? Spend it on other stuff. So if you're like, I haven't even started. Well, welcome. Neither have I. We got a year now to catch back up but let's get a part of this. I'm extra motivated now because I'm like, man, I could buy another pair of Jordans, which I'll probably do. But I can't wait to see thousands of dollars go to know that when I die and I meet Jesus, I can be like, hey, Jesus, remember that Anderson thing that happened? So cool, I got to be a part of that. And then I'll ask for grace for how many Jordans I own. Jesus, thanks for today. Thanks for inviting us into what you're doing.